0: 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. This evening we'll read verses 6 through 12 responsively. I'll begin reading in verse number 6 out loud. Then you'll join me on verse number 7. We'll alternate all the way down through verse number 12. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Beginning in verse number 6. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God." Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher... And an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for salvation. That made the possibility of the Holy Spirit speaking into our heart and changing our life through the preaching of God's Word. Well, may we not take... Lightly, the privilege it is to have a Bible, but may we not take also lightly the privilege that we have on a weekly basis to hear the Word of God being preached. May we not take for granted the opportunity that you've given us this evening to hear a truth that would not just impact our mind and our heart, but have the opportunity to work through us and fill us with your power and work in the working through the lives of others because of what we learn here tonight. Our pastor now with the Holy Spirit, as he preaches, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to use them tonight. I want to talk to you tonight, and I'm going to use a little bit of a, a play on words here in just a moment. But let me start by saying this. It seems like age and experience makes it a little easier for a person to say yes or no. Uh, But it also seems like the more you know, K-N-O-W, the easier it is to say no, N-O, when it's needed. Let me say that. You know when and you know what. It doesn't make it easier to do. Also, the more you know, the less quickly you say no. You think about things. Even though you may say it as often, it provokes some thoughts. Every once in a while, Brother Josh will bring an idea to me, and I'll say, let me think on that. There's times my initial reaction is, no. Say, why? Because that's just the way I'm built. But then I begin to think about it, and if he's asked three things in one question, I might do part number one in six months. Part number two, a year after that, maybe someday in the future, part number three, but I don't, my initial reaction is no, but because of age and experience, I know to think about it first. There's other times I'll say, nope, nope, nope. That seems fast. Yeah. I've already done that, made that mistake. You don't want to do that. That comes with knowledge. Now, this is what I really need your minds with, and some of you can't afford to lose any. Knowledge is a little bit of a funny thing, though. Most people have just enough knowledge to make themselves dangerous. Most people think because they've had one class, they've heard one lecture, they've had one job where they did one thing one time, that they now are some kind of authority in everything. The truth is, real knowledge never quits learning. Real knowledge never quits learning. Real knowledge grows as needed and often grows before it's needed. Listen to this carefully here. Real knowledge has the ability to transfer a principle and apply what was to what is today. Knowledge is not a fact. It's the ability to use facts. You can know two plus two equals four. But if you never add anything, having the knowledge doesn't do anything. Knowledge is something you have to be able to use and transfer a principle. And if you don't transfer that principle to everything in life, you don't have the knowledge you think you have. Politicians think they have the answer. They do. They know how to make money. But it's not their money. They know how to take from people and give to other people and give to themselves and make it from everywhere else, but they're not helping our country when we're over $30 trillion in debt. Now, knowledge is not just being able to know the names of the tools in the toolbox. Knowledge Is knowing when and how to use what tools are in the toolbox. We are graduating children from schools. They know what a toolbox is and they know the names of the tools, but if you took them out and asked them how to use them, just because you have a toolbox full of tools that you know the name of doesn't mean you know anything. Everybody doing okay? Now I'm going somewhere. Here's the problem. Many people have knowledge based on the world and the sinful life. Listen to this carefully. Most Christians fall into this category. People get saved and try to keep their knowledge and apply it to the Bible and we're going the wrong direction. God wants us to forget the world, and the knowledge of the world, and the knowledge of the sinful flesh, and learn things God's way. You see, that's why you have churches that are more worldly than the world was 50 years ago. Because we have people who are religious that want to bring sinful world into the church to make the church more likable to sinful people. Well, the church isn't about sinful people. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. It's about God, not about man. One of the hardest words to say rightly at the right time to the right people is the word no. No is such a small word, but it holds so much power, and it has so much meaning. And you can more wisely say no if you properly have knowledge or know what God says and what God wants. Please listen to me very carefully here. Uh, Churches are filled with people from a variance of backgrounds. We have people that are new Christians here. We have people that got saved after Noah got off the ark. I didn't say how long afterwards, but uh, I've been saved 50 plus years. We have people that have been saved longer than that. My dad's been saved a long time. Now, wait a minute. Listen to this statement. The trouble is we try to bring our knowledge from the world into the church and we try to make God fit into our knowledge. Uh, we just had a board meeting with our, our, our deacons. And please don't take this the wrong way. I love those men and they help. But the deacons don't run Grace Baptist Church. You say, why? They don't have the knowledge to run it. But we have a bunch of churches in America who have to run to the board every time they got to buy toilet paper. And it's got to go through a committee, and it's got to go through this. And uh, can I tell you something? If we need toilet paper, the preacher's going to buy toilet paper. (laughs) Plain and simple. Yes, I know we need paper towels in the men's room. (laughs) It's all right. We'll get there. I didn't say we were perfect. Just look at the water on the floor. Anyway, Uh, but you have to understand something you now have churches that are set up like a corporation run by a board versus a church the way God instituted run by a man of God. I understand checks and balances. I understand balance of power. I understand all that and we make sure we keep that. But may I say something? The deacons aren't going to tell this preacher what to preach. It ain't going to happen. Out there, you have a say-so. Back here, you don't have a say-so. You just got to suck it down. If I say something wrong doctrinally, then challenge me. But until then, you don't have a say-so. You might not like it. There's times I don't like it, but I got to still say it. You see... You have to understand something. You can't bring worldly knowledge to the church, worldly business to the church. What business do worldly business people have bringing their knowledge of business with evil people to the church saying, this is how we have to run God's finances? What happened to living by faith? What happened to finances God's way? Everybody doing okay? Okay. Listen to me very carefully. So, once you properly know K N O W, it's easier to say N O, no, to the things of the world. Do you know what separation is? Bad knowledge or good knowledge. Separation from the world means I know what God says, I know what the world says. And I make my decision to follow what God says, not what I want, not what I knew from years ago. Now listen to me. I'm, I've got 32 minutes. Here we go. Number one, God does not want us to know K-N-O-W like the world. God does not want us to have the knowledge of the world. I was so pleased uh, Friday Uh, Brother John Mark C., uh, Pastor C.'s son, he's an assistant pastor for his daddy, came and preached chapel for our Christian school kids. (laughs) My wife and I took he and his wife out, and they said, Brother Bush, I said, I love your school. He said, I went to a school just like it. We had about two or three more kids in our school than you have in yours. He said, I was the only one in the high school. I know how Alyssa feels. You should have seen him. He was He was as excited as could be. And I thought to myself, I'm glad our children have examples like that, like that, and like that, to lead our children into the knowledge of the Lord, not the knowledge of the world. I'll make you a promise. I've already heard parents say this. The kids that are in our Christian school will be farther along in every area of life than people that are not. It's not a selfish thing, it's a truth thing, it's a knowledge thing. Now listen to me very carefully. God does not want us to be like the world in our knowledge. I'm going to have you use your Bibles so that you don't get mad at me, you can get mad at God. Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter fifteen. Look at verse number eighteen. John fifteen eighteen. If ye loved the wor- if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were watch this of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. We ought not be upset that the world doesn't like what we are. But I want you to know, God says that we're not to be of the world, we're to come out of the world. Everybody understand that? Turn to 1 John. That's right before the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse number 15. Very familiar passage for many. Love... Not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. I want you to notice something. God says don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Because if you love the world and the worldly things and the worldly ways, the love of the Father is not in you because you have wrong knowledge. God does not want us taking our worldly knowledge and trying to apply it to the Bible. We're not to take our worldly philosophies and try to incorporate Our humanistic, worldly philosophies into the Bible. That's where you get wrong versions of the Bible. Now, everybody look at me for just a second. I get accused of not being real intelligent because I use the King James Bible and I've got such a narrow mind. Well, pray tell me, why do they have to have an easier Bible to understand it? If I'm so stupid and I can understand it, how come they got to have an easier one to understand? Amazing. <laughs> the Bible is the source of all truth. Turn to John 17. Again, I want you to see it. I can quote it to you. I can read it to you. But I want you to see it. want you to mark it in your Bible as it is in mine. John chapter 17, verse number 17. 17, 17. You ready? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is what? Truth. Huh. So if it's not in the Bible, is it truth? No. Thy word is truth. Now, listen to this very carefully. Somebody sent me this a uh, couple weeks ago or last week or so, and I I, I was working on the sermon, and they had no idea that it went right with the sermon I was working on, and I popped it right in here. It's a quote from D.L. Moody. Christians must live in the world, but not be filled with it. A boat lives in the water, but if the water gets in the boat, it goes to the bottom. So Christians may live in the world, But if the world gets in them, they sink. Too many Christians are in a sinking boat, blaming God for the water in the boat. And we're the ones that put the water in the boat. We want to live like the world and be comfortable like the world, like our unsaved lifestyle before, and say, well, I go to church and I'm a Christian, so everything that I did before is acceptable. No, God says don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Now, Christians want to hold on to the unsaved and lost thinking instead of letting God retrain their knowledge. Rechanging their mind. Turn to Romans chapter 12. <coughs> Romans chapter 12. Verse number one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a, by the way, notice what it says. Present your what? Body. A living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we get saved, we're to present our body to God. We're to present our mind to God and say, God, now change it. Change me from top to bottom. Change everything about it. And may I think like you and not like what I used to think like. Everybody doing Okay. That's what Philippians 2.5 is all about. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let the mind of Christ dwell in us. Well, what is the mind of Christ? Thy word is truth, O Lord. The mind of Christ is the Bible. Now, I'm going to say some things here. You will have less problems saying no to the things of the world and the devil... If you'll know what God wants you to know. Brother Wyatt, come on up here for a second. Uh, Brother Steve, can you come up here for a second? I'm going to borrow the young and the old, but they're both ugly. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going there. I I just had to have two illustrations. Wyatt, you stand over here. Brother Steve, you stand over here. Brother Steve didn't always live the Christian life. I'm not going to go into details. You don't need to know. Amen. And I don't know it all. Don't want to know it all. But Brother Steve's dabbled in things of the world. Have you ever drank alcohol? Do you ever smoke? Did you ever chew? Okay. He's done a lot of things he shouldn't do. I ain't going to go any further than that. All right. Now, wait a minute. It might be a little harder for Brother Steve to be around somebody drinking alcohol. Have you ever chewed tobacco? No. Did you ever drink booze? Better not have. (laughs) After I'm done beating the tar out of you, your daddy's going to beat the tar out of you. wait a minute. I'm going to make a statement here. Did you know that probably alcohol doesn't tempt him like it does him? Because he's grown up in church and this is all he knows. Might be a stumbling block for him. (laughs) Drinking booze is kind of stupid, isn't it? Chewing tobacco? Yeah. Would you want to smoke a cigarette? Who wants to roll up grass, let it dry out, and put it in paper and smoke it? Doesn't make sense. Make you sick. Now wait a minute. That doesn't make sense to somebody who's grown up in church and truth his whole life. He's done it. Maybe a temptation. Did you ever listen to the wrong music? Not as much of a temptation for him. He's at church six, seven days a week. He's a church rat. (laughs) Like his preacher. Wait a minute. But if you're not careful, you'll draw so much attention to what he did that he'll want it. You make too big a deal of something. Now, Smoking's bad, drinking's bad, all those things are bad. you know that, I know that, but guess what we don't have to be so concerned because he doesn't want those things. It doesn't tempt him like it does you that came out of it. Thank you. You can have a seat, both of you when I was in when I was a principal of a Christian school, we had a, a man that led the kids in singing and stuff, and he would get up and sing the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Now, I was sitting in a staff meeting one day, and I said, I think it's the stupidest song to sing in a Christian school. Boy, did I get a couple preachers riled up in that room. (laughs) I said, okay, those are your kids. What's changed in their life?" I looked at the guy leading the song. I said, okay, did your kids smoke, drink, do all the things you sing about? No. I said, they don't understand it. I said, I think that's the dumbest song to sing in a Christian school. I said, I got saved like they did early in life. I said, yeah, there's things that change being born again. But for some of us, we didn't have much to change because we got saved and we were smart enough not to do those things. And let's quit judging our kids based on what we came out of and understand where they are. They have a different knowledge than he had. Everybody doing okay? Hang on. It's easier to say no when you have the right knowledge. It's easier to say no to drinking alcohol when you have the right knowledge. It's easier to say no to the wrong entertainment when you have the right knowledge. It's easier to say no to the wrong philosophies of the world when you have the right knowledge. It's easier to say no to tobacco, whether it be smoked, chewed, dipped, or whatever. say, why? Because it doesn't make sense, does it? If God wanted you to smoke, he'd have put a chimney on your head. He really would have. Isn't that funny? Somebody will smoke a cigarette, and it's okay. You get caught in the fire, and they call it smoke inhalation. One, they want to take you to the hospital and fix. The other one, you do it to yourself. Now, what's the difference? You see, when you have the right knowledge, listen to this. I'm going to make three statements. You won't make statements like this. Well, as I see it, preacher, I don't care how you see it. How does God see it? Well, I don't have a conviction about, I don't care if you're convicted about it. God said it. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I don't care how you see it. I don't care if you don't have a conviction. God didn't say do this if you're convicted about it. Well, that's just not my preference, preacher. Nowhere in the Bible did it say anything about your preferences. How about God's preferences? Quit living the sinful life and the proud life of well i just don't feel convicted i don't see it that way that's not my preference i don't care how you or i feel i care what god says so god does not want us to have the knowledge of the world do you know the christians who struggle the most are those who came out of the worst things in the world and you think everybody else is going to fall to them Please don't take this the wrong way. I can walk by liquor all day long and it doesn't bother me. That's the nastiest stuff this side of hell. Same thing with a cigar or a cigarette or a pipe. Now, some of that pipe smoke did did smell good when I could smell. But I still don't want to do it. You say, why? Why do I want to kill myself with that stuff? I know where it ends up. Everybody doing okay? Hang on for a second. But the same is true with every aspect of separation in your life. Dress, going to church. I could go on and on and on and on. Entertainment, video games, TV, movies, whatever. You bring it, let's put it up against the word of God, and let's see what God says. But see, you want to justify it because of the knowledge you have from the world. We want to self-justify Well, God hasn't convicted me about that yet. Do you know what the word conviction means? The word conviction means this. You have been accused of wrongdoing, found guilty, and sentenced. Do you want to go through a trial before you do right? That's the dumbest statement in the world. Well, these are my convictions. No, it's not a matter of convictions. It's a matter of obeying right and wrong. Coon's got a dog's got a coon in the tree, amen. God does not want us to have the knowledge of the world, he wants us to have his knowledge. I want you to notice point number two God wants us to know whom. Look at Second Timothy chapter one again, verse number 12. For the which cause I also suffered for these things, these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, watch this that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto that day notice who's the keeper, not us, him look at me, the Christian life is about whom, not about me Right knowledge is about whom, not me. I am not the whom in this. For I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God called me to preach July 31st, 1980. He hadn't changed his mind. I believed that that was what he wanted. I obeyed the call. Guess what? He hadn't changed his mind. So he's been able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Boy, that's good stuff. The world hates God and will do all it can to get as far away from God as they can. And they want people to hate God. I read in the news just in the last day or two. There are teachers that are uh, cross-dressing, transgendering everything else in front of their students and and they music teachers and they said, "Look, you're confusing the children." And the teacher said, "That's what I'm here for. I'm supposed to confuse them." Right. May I say something that's wicked as hell? Now, folks, you think it's not as bad as it is. It's worse than what they're reporting. Trust me. God wants us to know him. And when you get to know him, you'll have the right knowledge. I've said this often. It's not what you know in life. It's who you know in life. What I lack in knowledge of things, when I know the right people, I can have the right knowledge. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse number 7. I'm going to read quickly, but I'm going to read powerfully because these are powerful words. Philippians chapter three, verse number seven. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Oh, your things aren't as important as Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. That's a whom. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul's Paul's saying here through the Holy Spirit that all the things that I used to have aren't any more valuable than manure. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, But that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Watch this. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Wow. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. I said this recently if you put a $100,000 check on this side and the ability to get wisdom and know God on this side you can have the check I'll take God because I know that if I can stay close to God he'll take care of the $100,000 check I'm not worried about that I wonder how many people would sell out for less yeah now I'm old enough now I'll take both. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, you have to understand something. The knowledge is about a whom, not about what. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read a couple verses in this chapter. 1 Corinthians 2 look at verse number 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Oh wasn't about things, wasn't about business, it was about knowledge of Christ. Let's skip down to verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. That's called psychology. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us, which things also we speak, not in the words of which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are not spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself does judge of no man. For who knoweth the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't it amazing? You have people out there that call themselves Christian psychologists that get their same psychology degree as the worldly psychologist. I don't trust a Christian psychologist any more than I trust a worldly psychologist. It's still psychology, the study of man. How about we study God and let God tell man how to think? Everybody doing okay? All right, now hang on. When we love the world, 1 John two fifteen through 17, we love worldly people more than we love God. Now we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Everybody doing okay? Take a breath. Okay, let it out. Slowly, here we go. The closer you get to God, the more of the things of the world you have to let go. Reading the books of the world are going to hold you back from knowing God. By the way, I'm talking about even reading bad religious material bad doctrine people who have are uh, wrong doctrinally i don't read bad doctrine guard and Bruner and all these idiots from years ago, and most of you don't know those people, and that's good. I don't read Catholic doctrine. I don't read Mormon doctrine. I don't read Jehovah's false witness doctrine. I don't read uh, Church of Christ, Church of God, Methodist. I don't read any of it. Th- I read great people, but I don't read bad doctrine. What books are you reading? I wonder how many books have been read that should not have been read by people in this room. Everybody doing okay? Maybe we ought to check our libraries out. Maybe we ought to check what we read on our phone. Man, it's getting quiet in here. I'm talking about Hollywood. Amazing how close to God you get when you get rid of some of the influences of Hollywood. Or, as I call it, Hellywood. Sports. Professional Sports. I'm going to make a statement here. I'm not against sports. But I am against the fact that we have turned sports into a religion in America. I like professional golf. It's the only sport that I watch anymore. I know. But it's the only one that I don't have to worry about politics involved. You don't see rainbow flags on the greens. Amen. The day they do, I'm done watching that. Uh, I like following a couple different golfers a little bit. And uh, I'm not saying they're super-duper Christians. They're playing on Sunday. They can't be that great a Christian. There's some decent guys out there. I like Jordan Spieth. I like uh, Phil Mickelson, a few others. Uh, Jordan Spieth, I was watching a little bit of a tournament yesterday. He's worth $110 million. He's 29 years old. You realize at 7% interest... He's making $8 million a year without touching anything. Just an interest on his money that he's already made. Now, I like Jordan Spieth. I've got kids older than him. Wait a minute. He's not that valuable. Hitting a a ball with a stick and chasing around a cow pasture and kicking it in a three-inch hole doesn't make you worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm sorry. Uh, LeBron James. I don't care if he takes the next trip anywhere outside of America and we never let him back in. But he's worth almost a billion dollars. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Listen very carefully here. We have allowed sports to become a god in America. We think children have to play sports all the time. No, they don't. I think they ought to learn some things, but that's what school's about. That's what home's about. It's when moms and dads used to play ball and uh, things in the backyard. Or dad fixed the windows while the boys played ball in the backyard. Amen. Uh, I i go on and on and on. But can tell you something. Life will go on if your kids don't know how to play sports. I'm talking about financially. We need to quit bringing the world's philosophy of finances into our own lives. We ought to run our finances according to what God says. Not what you took in some high school class or some college class. Umpteen, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. God knows better about finances than anybody in the world does. Warren Buffett, George Soros, and all these other idiots don't know near as much about finances as God does. Everybody doing all right? Okay, moving on. I'm talking about politics, power, and popularity. There are people that will do anything to have a position. I am tired of people running for office and as soon as they get their office they're running for the next election. I think there ought to be term limits from dog catcher to, to the Supreme Court. All the way through. Our forefathers never intended, never foresaw anybody making a career out of politics. It was supposed to be a body of people that built something successfully and came and served their community, served their city, served their county, served their state, or served the federal government for a small period of time, lending their success principles to that. Get in, get out, and go back and keep building your business. It was never intended to be a career. That's why you got Sleepy Joe in the White House. Nasty Nancy. Yeah, stupid Chuckie Schumer. Anyway, uh, the closer you get to God, the more you're going to say, woe is me, not look at me. Anytime anybody got a glimpse of God in Scripture, they fell on their face and said, woe is me. Now, listen to me. I can tell you when you're a good Christian and when you're not. Christians start strutting around like a banny rooster saying, ha, look at me. Well, I can't do that because they're not like me. You're not as good a Christian as you think you are. Because everything's about you and how you look. When you get close to God, you say, Woe is me. And the closer you get to God, the more of the world you have to wipe away. And the closer you get to him, the less appealing that is. Wyatt, drinking booze and smoking cigars and all that kind of stuff doesn't look very good, does it? Serving Jesus does. Say why? The closer you get to him, the less good that looks. So why do we want to keep bringing that up to him? Well, I've got to warn them. If they're close enough to this, they don't want that. Trust me. Been there, done that. So, the closer to God we get, the more the world we must get rid of in our life. I've got a... I've got a minute. We're not going to make it. Knowing God will help you to know the right what knowledge is not just the who it's the what look at first uh, john chapter 2 i'll turn just to some of these first john chapter 2 verse 3 first john 2 verse number 3 and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments ho oh, so we know him by keeping his commandments That means we have to know the commandments to keep them, right? Hmm. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Parents, be careful you talk about how spiritual you are and your kids see how much you're disobeying God. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith and he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Wow. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. And I'll, I'll mention some other verses. I won't turn there because of time. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24 says this, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. To know him, you have to know the right what? And the what is the word of God. Psalm 33, 4. John eight thirty one through 32. James one twenty one. Let me turn to James chapter 1. And I'll, I'll read that verse and I'll be closing the sermon. James chapter 1, verse number 21 says this. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Why do we want to teach our, uh, uh, the next generation the filthiness? Let's teach them the truth and they won't want the filthiness. It's that simple. The more Bible, the more doctrine, the more principles you know, the easier it is to say no to the things of the world. Have you ever been in a boat that started sinking? Did you ever go canoeing? Have a leaky canoe? And all of a sudden you get to a point where there's a more water in it than it can sustain. And when you reach that point, it just goes bloop. There's no going back. I don't care how much you bail, it's too late because then you're bailing the whole lake or river. That's why the average Christian lives their life underwater. You're trying to bring the world into the Christian life versus letting God renew your mind and you thinking the way God says. And then you're always making decisions. Do I say yes? Do I say no? Do I say yes? Do I say no? I know whom I have believed. I keep what he says. I go to what he says. I go to him. I rely on that and I don't worry about it. He tells me what to say no to and it's okay. I got to quit. The Christian life is not hard. Saying no to the world, saying no to bad doctrine is not hard if you know, K-N-O-W, what God says you need to know. I don't have to worry about saying no to certain things. Say, preacher, is it hard for you? No. Because I know. Whom? I know what? And I'm not going outside that because that's my safety zone. Let's not live by every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Well, preacher, I just don't see it that way. Don't care. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Why do you want to live like the carnal Christian who lives after the flesh? How about we know so that we know when to say no.